Well, you know, Vince, we have a rare privilege coming up in a second. We're going to have Michael Moore, the documentary filmmaker, hmm, who's got a new movie out called Where to Invade Next. He's going to come on the show. And i got to tell you something, Vince. I've been watching this guy's work all the way back to Roger and me. He's mm -hmm. a funny guy. And one thing I didn't know about him, he's a New Yorker. He lives on the Upper West Side. I did not know that. The other day... He invites his Upper West Side neighbors. Now, he's got about 1,000 people living in a building called the Bromley. And he said to his neighbors, come see the movie at the, the movie theater right around the corner. 1,000 mm -hmm. people saw the movie, Where to Invade Next. I was there because I just was invited as well. Had a good time. Enjoyed the film and said to myself, wait a minute. I'm not going to wait online with all of his neighbors to talk to Michael Moore. I'm press. Mm -hmm. I'm going to call him up the next day and tell him, hey, Michael, come on the radio show. Come on Brooklyn Paper Radio with Gersh Kunstman and the toughest questioner in the world, Vince DiMasselli. Yeah, right. So that's a bit of an honor that he actually said, you know what, Vince DiMasselli, I'll come on for him. <laughs> so, wait, the name of the film is what again? Where to Invade Next. Now, that doesn't seem like a very Michael Moore title. It's not very Moorish, if well, you Well, you think it's kind of, kind of warlike. It seems that way, and he seems well, to be a pacifist. That's sort of the trick of it. It's where to invade next. What it is is Moore basically invades, quote-unquote invades, all these other countries in Europe and Asia and Africa to steal back the best ideas. In fact, that might be him right now. We'll oh. talk to him on, on the air. I'm going to pick this up, okay? Hello, you're on Brooklyn Paper Radio. This is Gersh Kunstman with Vince DiMasselli. Hi, I'm calling with Michael Moore. How are you? Well, oh, it's great to have you on the show. What's your name? I'm Christina. Chris I actually don't have him just yet. Well, okay. we'll just keep talking. Call back when you have him. <laughs> okay, Thank you. Well, that's sort of interesting. That's the thing with these celebrities. They've got publicists to call for him. Anyway, the movie is called Where to Invade Next. The idea of it is he goes to these other countries and with, a, with an American flag, and he plants a flag in every country whenever he steals a good idea. So, for example, he's in Germany. Well, what's the great German idea? Uh, the hamburger and hot dog. But okay, that's we, not bad. We already have those. These were political ideas, Vince, but it's a nice idea. Oh. He goes to Germany. What's the central thing that unifies the German people? It's admitting their mistake in the Holocaust. It's actually part of their, their lifestyle. Part of their DNA now. It really is. In yeah. fact, he interviews a, an immigrant, a, 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 new, a, newly, a, a newly Germanized immigrant who's from Africa, and he says, as a German immigrant, even I accept responsibility for the Holocaust because it's wow. part of our culture. Wow. And so, he, so Moore's, Moore's idea was, you know, if we were more like that about, say, slavery or, or other failures that we've had over the years, mm -hmm. it might make us a better, more unified is, people. Is that part of, like, the German Pledge of Allegiance? Is, a, is that like a line in the German Pledge of Allegiance? It, it, it almost is. I don't know if it actually is. I don't speak German. And also, we apologize for the Holocaust. I mean, Deutschland über alles is no longer the anthem of Germany. Anyway, that's the German idea. Then he's in France, and you're thinking, Vince DiMasselli, What's the best idea that ever came out of French, oh. out of France that you didn't have to fry? <laughs> no, the, be uh, the best thing that ever came out of France for me is foie gras. Foie gras is nice, but you know, you can't even make foie gras in these United States anymore because of all the bureaucrats. But anyway, oh. the idea that he brings back from France is so simple and so beautiful that I, 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 this is when I got teary. He sits down to a school lunch with a bunch of French public school students and not in a rich Parisian neighborhood, uh -huh. but in somewhere in the Midi. They call it Le Midi. Le Midi. A very poor part of France. And they have a three-course meal with a cheese course, a meat course, no wine, mm. no vin, but mm. plenty of fromage, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I love that. Delicious meal. And it turns out that healthy meal that was made by a chef is actually cheaper per student than the school meals we serve. So, so he plants his flag and says, flag and we're bringing back we're bringing that idea good, back here. Good meals for kids at lunch. I think they they are pushing for that though here in the city, aren't they? Well, New York City is way ahead of the rest of the country, as you know. We are ahead of the curve. So Vince, it's great to see you as we wait for Michael Moore to call back. But I, as I said, I enjoyed the movie. 
I would have given it four stars. The Daily News is going to give it three and a half stars when the review comes out. I fought for that extra star. Mm-hmm. So Michael the Moore. The extra half star? Uh, if you're hearing the sound of my voice, call us. Wait, you fought it for a half star? Or the extra a, half star. My reviewer half. wanted to give it three stars. I said, mm-hmm. no way, Jose. What's the Daily News review format? Is it three out of five? Is out of it five, out of five? Yeah, out of five. And my reviewer's name is actually Jose. So when I say no way, Jose, it's fine. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a slur that Michael Moore is going to have to report about. Yeah, well, that's, I'm, I'm glad you have uh, such, a, such a diverse staff over there at the Daily News. You know what the best idea in Slovenia was? I'd love to hear it. Free higher education. Oh, so like you go to college for free or is it just uh, are that what we're talking about? I mean, I just said free higher education. So college. What part of that didn't you? Yes, well, free so college. Sometimes you get confused free, because it's like high school. Free university But I guess high education. school is free. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds like you could use a little of that free that, higher education. <laughs> it might have come in handy. I paid a lot of money for St. John's University, but not not as much as they pay to these days. Yeah, look where it got you. On the radio with Gersh Kuntzman oh, and Michael Moore sorry. whenever he calls in. He might call in. The thing that I found best about, and the funny thing about the movie is, yeah, it sounds like it's very earnest, but it's actually very funny. Mm-hmm. He goes to Slovenia and keeps calling it Slovakia. And then he meets with the Slovenian president. Well, and he, then refers to him as the Slovakian president. Was he which is very che- funny. He, so he wasn't in Czechoslovenia? Czechoslovenia. The former Czech Republic of Slovenia. <laughs> anyway, look, Vince, I got to tell you something. It's just great to be here. <laughs> it's always, I hope, who was that woman who called? What was her name? Catherine? I, I didn't get I really it. hope she calls again. Yeah, no, I'm sure they will. Hello. Oh, oh, Vince, there he is now. Hey, is that Michael Moore? Yes, it is. Oh, Mr. Moore, it's Gersh Kunstman here with the hardest questioner in the world, Vince DiMasselli. Thanks for joining us on Brooklyn Paper Radio. How are you? Not him, please, not him. <laughs> I know, I knew you'd say that. I knew you'd say that. Anyway, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you very much. I was telling Vince, because I had seen your movie uh, with your neighbors up on the Bromley on the Upper West Side, how much I enjoyed the film, and Vince and I had a bunch of questions about it. I want to start off with the basic, though. How many countries did you actually invade, quote-unquote, invade for the movie? Uh, Twelve. Twelve. Okay, now how many actually made the final cut? It was like seven or eight? Nine. Nine, okay. So, give because Vince hasn't seen it. I've told him about it. I want you to give him an idea of some of the countries you went to. We went to uh, France and Italy, Finland, Norway, um, uh, Slovenia. It wasn't Slovakia? Not Slovakia, Slovenia. Okay. They're, they're often confused. And, and often by you, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, it's a, it's, I think it's a very common dyslexia, the Slovenia-Slovakia dyslexia mm. complex. But, um, yeah, those, those, are, those are in Tunisia, in, in Africa, we went to Tunisia. And basically what he finds, Vince, is that all these countries have all these great ideas for solving very specific problems. And I was telling Vince, you know, France, you had the great school meal, and Italy, you get these unbelievable vacation benefits and marital benefits uh, to the point where, tell us a little bit about Italy, because you had, you're, you had like a jaw-dropping moment in that scene in the movie. Well, they're, they're this Italian couple, one, one of them is a cop and another one works as a, as a buyer for a department store. By, by the way, they're, in, they're incredibly hot. <laughs> all the Italians were incredibly hot. It, I mean, the whole place looked, looked like it, it looked like the full time job there was to have sex, and then they took breaks to work, you know, or make dinner <laughs> or whatever. It. Yeah. Um, but they 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 have anywhere from six to eight weeks paid vacation every year, and I was just blown away by that. But then on top of that, the woman starts to tell me how when they got married. Uh, their honeymoon is paid, it's a paid vacation. They get 15 days 
paid days off when you get married for your honeymoon. I mean, that's why I believe in polygamy. Italian polygamy would be the best thing. You get married, you get your two months or two weeks, you get married again. <laughs> this is, uh, this, I, when I go back there, I'm going to share that idea with them. Exactly. That's what, an, an idea you can bring back from the United States. Well, yes, because we Americans, we can think of creative ideas like this. Sure. Yeah. Uh, when I went to Italy, I was in Rome uh, during, I guess, during August, and they, they call it like the feria or something like that, and they all just disappear, yeah. and they go down like they go down south, and you couldn't like, do, I guess the the messengers don't go to Rome in, in August because you, there's there's nothing nothing's open. Well, yeah, the funniest thing is if you like you go up to a, like an ice cream stand uh, in August and it's closed. I mean, like the, the month people would be eating the most ice cream, nobody's there. Well, I mean, it, it, you're making actually a good point that they have these wonderful worker benefits which is a great thing. We'd love to bring that back. And you talked to the factory owner, for example, and he has no problem giving it to his workers because they're happier workers, they're healthier workers. But at the same time, could could you bring an idea like that to America across the board? Would it work or is there some problem with us as people and as and as employers? Is that Could you bring that idea back? Well, I think we could, yes. I mean, yeah, there is a problem with us and then part of the problem is that um, our capitalism system, our system of capitalism, is a fear-based system. It's based on uh, the fear of, of, of being broke. Uh, the majority of Americans, I believe, now live from paycheck to paycheck. For the first time ever this month, uh, the, in the sense World War II, I believe that the majority of Americans are no longer considered middle class. So it's, it's, uh, it, it would be hard to do. People would have to be not afraid and um but employers would soon see that productivity would go up people happier workers make for a more productive uh environment uh and uh, yes i think it definitely it definitely could work we should at least there should at least be four weeks paid vacation for everybody who has a job well you know it's funny i have four weeks paid vacation and i don't even use all of it and and a vast majority of americans don't use all their vacation days so have we met the enemy and it is us well, why? Now let's ask ourselves that. Why? Yes. Why is it though that, that that's a very that's a very true fact that you just gave? Why don't we take the vacation days off to us? Is it because we're afraid that the boss won't look at us uh, properly or nicely? Because you know we're taking this time off and then we're, we're going to do better if we show we're a more committed worker? Or maybe it's uh, we're married to the wrong person and, and you're thinking, you know, four weeks off. Uh, I don't know how we're going to get along. Um, <laughs> I mean, there could be a lot of reasons why we'd rather work. I think most people are just afraid to lose their job. I yeah. think that's it. I think that's it. And I think it's because um, the way things are priced here. I mean, over there, we, we, we kept asking, does anybody have a second job? Nobody has a second job. Yeah. We went to a pencil factory in Germany. They're just making pencils there. They, but they make enough money where they do not need a second job. But who's, make, who's using pencils? <laughs> exactly. That's what I said to him. He said they had their biggest year last year. I don't. Well, last year was their biggest year ever. I think that's a whole movie right there. <laughs> that, would, that would be a funny movie. Who the hell is using pencils? Well, you know what it is, He's the last guy. He might have killed off the competition. They are German. Yeah. Uh, now, now, but you <laughs> mentioned Germany. I was, I was telling Vince before that before you came on that the scenes in Germany were actually very touching. It, it, just for Vince's sake and the, and the listener, the, the idea that, that Michael Moore steals from Germany is this notion of national uh, kind of admitting when the country has done something bad. In the case of the Germans, obviously, I'm talking about uh, Frankfurters. No, I'm talking about the Holocaust, obviously. And even the German immigrant, the guy who just became a German, said, 
As a German, I take responsibility for the Holocaust. This is an Arab immigrant who's just been made a German citizen, and he says that he believes that he is responsible for the Holocaust and must make reparations to its victims, because if he's going to call himself a German and be a German citizen, he doesn't just get the good with that. He also has to accept the bad. And that the bad is the the history. I mean, he gets the good, which is the pencils, but yeah, it gets the bad. And he gets to work a thirty-six hour week and pay, be, be paid for forty. Right. And the and the way to apply that idea to us would be: you were talking about slavery, but there's any number of kind of bad things about our country that we just don't talk about. Right. It, it, yes, we don't teach them in history class. Um, we don't own them. We, we're, we're, we're somehow we're afraid to say, yeah, we you know we screwed up. You know, we we uh, but you know we're not like that anymore, and we're gonna we're gonna try and make things better. But but what would admitting that do for us? Because you know people are very reluctant, just as people, let alone as a country. Wh- what would that do for the national, you know, ideal? The same thing it does in any twelve-step program. The first step is you to stand up and admit who you are and what you are. We are Americans, and we and I say as I say in the movie, we live in a great country. But it's a country that was born in genocide and was built on the backs of slaves. And those ancestors of those slaves, they are still on the bottom rung of the economic ladder. Every other group that's come into this country starts at that bottom rung. You know, my family was Irish. You know, Italians were there. Jews were there. All, all groups go to that bottom rung, Asians. And then they all get to climb. They get to climb up a rung or two or five or ten. But who's still on that bottom rung? African-Americans. Well, I mean, the statistic that came out two months ago that the average, the median income household in, for, in, in white America, the, the actual amount of the assets that white Amer- a white American family owns is now $111,000. The average black family, how much do they own in assets? 7100 Unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's like the woman in the, from Iceland says, how do you live with yourselves? White, white families, 111,000 in assets. Black families, 7,000 in assets. Yeah, I like those Icelandic women also in the movie. No, no, I like what they had to say. I like They were very intelligent. Yeah. The, the first country that ever elected a female leader was Iceland. That's why he went there. Female president. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's, t- it's time for us to bring in the tough, the tough questions, though. I mean, Michael, you have a reputation. People slam you all the time. You're not patriotic. You're anti-American. I will say this in your defense before I let you say something in your defense. The movie doesn't come off that way, and I actually don't think any of your movies come off that way. But why are you constantly seen as an America-bashing, freedom-fry-eaten non-patriot? I'm, I'm not seen that way. I'm actually a beloved national figure. <laughs> That's true. I forgot that. But, <laughs> but why do you think people sometimes see you that way? You mean why do people who listen to Rush Limbaugh and watch Fox News 24 hours a day feel that way? Well, that's that's not nobody. So, yeah, why do you think they feel that way? Yeah, no, that's 20% of the population, which in a country this large, that's quite a few million people yeah. that have been told about a fictional character with the name of Michael Moore. And um, they, I mean, this got explained to me actually by a, a Republican pollster one night after maybe one too many drinks. And, uh, and he said to me, he said, when we saw Fahrenheit 9-11, Karl Rove and the, the campaign to reelect Bush in 04, after we saw your film and we, and we did some focus groups, we saw that there were actually Republicans that were convinced to not vote for Bush. And so we decided then that we had to not debate the movie but to ruin you. We had to smear at you so that people would feel unpatriotic going into even, you know, seeing the, the movie. If we if they walked in that door and saw your movie, we were doomed. So we had to get them to not see it. And we did that by by 
saying the things we said about you. And I thought, well, that's, boy, that's why you guys are good at what you do. Well, they could have just changed policy or changed approach, but rather they, they decided to slam the movie. They slammed the movie, yeah, because they didn't want to change policy. They wanted a war with Iraq, and they thought that would lead us to a much safer America. And, of course, we all know how that's worked out. Well, you know, it's funny. You go on Fox News and other channels. And look, we're not partisan here in Brooklyn. We're an island of, of, of tranquility. But you go on those shows, and they talk about how all of the problems in the Middle East are Obama's problems when, you know, as you showed yeah. in those movies. Well, they, are, they are constantly living in an alternate reality, and basically they got discombobulated uh, when America twice elected a man as president whose middle name was Hussein. They still can't get over that. And as Bill Maher says, they, they, they think of him as President Blackula. And, um, uh, you know, I, you can't help those people, but this movie isn't for them. Uh, you know, they're in their own bubble. But I did make this for the other 80% of our fellow Americans who I think do have a heart and have a conscience. And when they're presented with what I'm presenting them with in this film, and I do it in a, a very nonpartisan way, this is not a Democratic or Republican film. This is really just about common sense and all of us getting, you know, realizing we're in the same boat and we're going to sink or swim together. All right. Well, you know, this is Brooklyn Paper Radio, and we do have to bring it back to Brooklyn. So the, the question here is, we know you live in, up there in Manhattan. Why, all your ideas fit in with a lot of what's happening here in Brooklyn nowadays. Why don't you live in Brooklyn? How come you haven't moved here yet? Everything you're saying makes you a Brooklynite. Yes. Well, when I, when I, I live in Michigan, but I, I, have, so I have an apartment in Manhattan. I got that apartment in Manhattan when Manhattan was Brooklyn. Mm. When it was, <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> I remember on that, the corner across the street from my apartment, the, the, uh, there was the local crack dealer. Um, uh, hey, wait, what, are you, what are you saying about Brooklyn? Yeah, but but um, no, what I'm saying is, is, that, is that, that Manhattan used to have uh, artists, uh, musicians, filmmakers, uh, creative people could afford to live on Manhattan Island. And, and then uh, the hedge fund guys and the bankers and uh, everybody else sort of took over and moved uh, everybody off the island. And so, so Brooklyn became one of those places. Jersey City is one of those places. There's lots of other places in the area here that have a much more, a much more thriving uh, community uh, of, 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 and diverse uh, of, of, of you know, New Yorkers and Americans. That sounds like your next movie is going to be about gentrification in Brooklyn. No, I no. think somebody's got to make a really funny movie about Brooklyn because it is, you've got to admit, the, the sort of uh, the, the hipster quotient of oh. it is, is you're, pretty funny. You're talking about my forthcoming musical at the Fringe Festival this summer, Murder at the Food Co-op, already being, already being written, Michael. I'm on Hattie on that. All right, we got to get out. we got to ask... We got to ask you the toughest question that you're going to face today because no one's got the guts to ask you this one. Thank God. No. Where are you on Star Wars, pro or con? I have my tickets for the 12:50 a.m. show tonight. Wow. Uh, so. Uh, in 3D or or regular? Uh, regular. No, I don't want to see this in 3D. Okay. Uh, maybe I'll see it later in 3D, but there's there's very few movies you should see in 3D. Right. Um, but I'm seeing it in 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 2D in a theater that shows 2D uh, because I, I want the bulb and the lens to be right. But are you are you a whole Star Wars kind of nerd, geek, fanatic? Oh, yeah. No, totally. I mean, yes, I couldn't wait. I mean, I actually had, to tell you the truth, I had tickets for the 9 a.m. show this morning, but I had to do all this press today, so I wasn't able to, to go. So then I went online and I grabbed the only seat left at the at the uh, 12.50 in the morning midnight show tonight. Wow, Michael Moore seeing Star Wars alone. 
I know, I'm seeing it alone. I was gonna, <laughs> I had somebody to go with this morning. I had nobody to go with tonight, so I'm just going by myself. Jesus, that, that, that's the greatest story ever. <laughs> Our regrets. Well, you know what? You, it's a kind of movie you can kind of just, you've seen all the previous movies. You, you really just want to zone out. I saw it the other night, and I enjoyed it. You I won't, you I won't spoil get, anything. should have gave us a call. We would have taken you over to the uh, the Bam Harvey Theater where they're shown in beautiful old theater. It's fantastic. Oh, I, know. I had my premiere there last week, and I would have loved to have seen Star Wars there. But, mm. but no, and, and you know, I'm, one, I'm actually one of the few people I've actually liked Star Wars 3. Uh, I did too. Uh-huh. I, I thought that was a, just a beautiful allegory about Bush and Cheney. And, uh, <laughs> it was pretty open about it, right? It was pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he did. I know. <laughs> I actually ran into George Lucas and I asked him about it. And he goes, yeah, it was kind of obvious, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <obvious>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to get out. Michael Moore, when does Where to Invade next open? It opens next Wednesday, December 23rd. It's one week only, uh, uh, and then uh, it'll be in theaters everywhere, including here on February 12th. But it's next Wednesday, December 23rd, uh, at the Lincoln Plaza and the Angelica on Manhattan Island. Well, if, and if you can hear the sound of my voice, and I'm not a partisan, Michael Moore. you got to know that. I, I, I'm a Brooklynite, first and foremost, but I would say if you can hear the sound of my voice, go see it. It's an enjoyable movie, and it's funny. People forget that a documentary can be funny, even about important topics like that. So, Michael Moore, thank you for joining us. Yeah, Mike, thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm glad you've got this podcast. I'm going to tune into it now. They, yeah, we'll well, be, you just were on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I've never listened to it. Now I am. There you go. He's a, he's a, he's a fan. Why don't you tweet your million, million and a half or whatever followers. Tell you've, them. you've made me a fan because you've asked me questions I haven't been asked all day. So thank you for that. Well, enjoy the movie all alone tonight. Okay. <laughs> I will. <laughs> See you, man. Thank all right. You. Take care of yourself. Crying in my popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, nice to have Michael Moore on the show. He's a good man. Michael I enjoyed, Moore. I enjoyed that. Well, Jimmy, cut him off. Yeah. Good guy. That was fantastic, Gersh.